0: Hey, hey, how's it growing with you out there, people? Hey, welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection, only here at KZUM Lincoln. Glad you could make How's It Growing a part of your day. Thanks for tuning in today. I have Barbara Salvatore on the show. She's going to be calling in soon, and we're going to continue our series of plant stories, life medicines right here on the show today. Looking forward to a conversation with Barbara Oh, my. Lots of plants to talk about. We're hopefully going to cover all of these today on this fastest hour in radio. We're going to be talking about uh, the story of basils, mints, prairie sage, calendula, comfrey. If we can get to them all, we'll sure do our best. So uh, kick back, do whatever you're doing. Man, we had uh, more rain in the Lincoln area last night, kind of dodged a bullet. Everybody's kind of talking about the sirens going off. That was, you know, whenever there's a tornado within Lancaster County, the sirens are going to go off in Lincoln, and, and I'm kind of checking radars. The sirens are going off going, wait a minute, man. It's, it hasn't even started raining. Where is this baby? And it was out kind of northwestern Lancaster County. And, uh, yeah, so the poor folks in York area, Seward had good hail, like two-inch hail, and I think as uh, a storm progressed north and east west Omaha areas up there got hail again Uh, probably their second hailstorm in a week's time so my oh my count your blessings that uh, everything worked out pretty good here kind of when it blew through last night man that wind came up it was kind of a trip wasn't it but uh, yeah we survived it and we got a good rain out of the deal we'll take it and man what a difference a day makes it's kind of cool out there when 65 degrees when I was heading in this morning after high in, what, uh, mid-90s yesterday? I don't know. We I don't even know what it was, but all we know is it was like 103 on Monday, right? Woof. All right. Well, the heat of summer coming upon us and the first official day of summer, the um, uh, summer solstice coming up on June 21st. Hopefully you're making plans to celebrate that little, it should be a holiday, right? Come on, man. We should just make that a holiday. Uh, let's let's keep adding those holidays, right? <laughs> all right. Well, again, uh, uh, this time of year, my oh my, with the good rain we're getting, uh, I tell you what, um, it's it's something we gotta we gotta have more of, right? Uh, but it could be worse, um, you know. I think we're all expecting a drought as we were moving into this season, and uh, we've lucked out so far. I was on the Panhandle. Oh, gosh, left right after the show last week out to Shadron. So drove all the way out to Shadron after the show. We made it there, uh, what, it was 8 o'clock at night, something like that. But uh, spent time Thursday, Friday, Saturday in uh, Shadron and Scott's bluff Garing area. They're doing great work out there. If you ever you know make make it out to Scotts Bluff make sure you go through downtown Scotts Bluff and you can say wow good work um, the the planners there wanted to green it up real good and working with the statewide arboretum on our grant programs for public gardens they have added so much green space in downtown Scotts Bluff which used to be just you know concrete and asphalt and They've tore out some of the concrete and asphalt and planted uh, beautiful flowers and grasses and things appropriate for western Nebraska, native plants. And, uh, man, they're doing great and looking great. So it was nice to revisit some of those projects that we've planted out there. And, and we left 1,000 plants and around, uh, planted around 1,000 plants last week. So that's always good stuff. Uh, Statewide Arboretum, we plant Nebraska most each and every day. All right, I have a caller on the line. Barbara, is this you?
1: hi Bob good morning
0: good morning how are you doing I'm okay yeah
1: that rain was a godsend you had lovely you here
0: you did get good rain last night too good
1: yes yes thunder lightning thunder
0: a little bit light- of hail, bit of hail but nothing damaging no damage
1: yeah
0: yeah cool yeah, cool well, Barbara, gosh, it's been uh, it's been a little while since I've had you on the show. Welcome back to the show and I, I, I appreciate your time as always. And man, uh, you know folks, if you're not aware, this is Barbara Salvatore and Barbara is an uh, author. She's the author of the Big Horse Woman series. You can check that out at bighorsewoman.com and she's a practicing herbalist and offers classes in traditional plant medicine. And, uh, gosh, and, and Barbara, you're going to be on speaking, uh, gosh, coming up, several events coming up here. And I had uh, Pheasants Forever and uh, Quail Forever on last week. And uh,
1: Yes, that was a good show.
0: Yeah, glad you I caught heard. it. Good. Yes. Yeah, so that is coming up on July 17th, folks, at Kimmel Orchards, Pollinators and Produce Day. And you can go, just go to Kimmel Orchard. I think you can, probably the easiest way to find it, right, Barbara, if folks are looking to register for that event? Uh,
1: Yeah, Kimmel Orchard's or uh, the Pheasant Fest page. Okay. The Pheasants Forever, Quails Forever page. I have information
0: about it. Cool, cool. Yeah, it sounds like a great event coming up on July 17th, so don't hesitate if you're interested in that Pollinators and Produce Day Uh, coming up at Kimmel Orchards. And then uh, what is Roots to Rise? That I'm not familiar with. That's an event coming up for youth, right?
1: Yes, I'm I'm glad to give a shout-out for them. Uh, My friend Freedom Thompson invited me to participate. She and Medicine Song, um, another herbalist I I have yet to meet. They have a youth camp planned for uh, kids from kindergarten through eighth grade, and it's an enrichment program and I'm going to be there one day teaching them about
0: forageable edible plants cool and so that is a a series that takes place in July right July 6th through the 28th
1: yes and you can find out more information at Stand in Nebraska um, stand in for nebraska at gmail.com or if you know freedom you can hit her up
0: okay very it's good be fun. So that that sounds like a great event, too, and uh, that's great uh, getting the kids. That'll be fun to see if they actually, uh, if you talk them into sampling something. Uh, That's probably usually pretty easy, right, I would imagine?
1: Yeah, kids are usually fun and, you know, excited about it and happy to go home and tell their family, you can eat that.
0: Right. (laughs) And, and, of course, the parents kind of looking at him with that eyebrow kind of raised going, are you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah, well, well that's cool. Kudos to you for, for helping out with that uh, important event. And then, the, of course, we want to give a shout-out to the Prairie Herbalist Conference coming up on July 23rd and 24th. Rachel, if you're listening by chance, we're looking forward to that uh, coming up. And, folks, you can just uh, type in. You could go to Red Road Herbs' uh, website. And register. It's not too late to register and uh that again coming up on July twenty third, twenty fourth. I think once you look at the gosh, what does she have? Sixteen speakers, something like that?
1: Yes, and it's gonna be at the time the first time we actually meet Bob. Right. And a lot of other wonderful people there, mushroom yeah. experts and indigenous plant experts and Herbal medicine makers. It's going to be
0: great. We're all going to leave home for home e- inspired, no doubt, and full of information. You know, I, I like it when you get so much plant information. You, I call it a plant headache, and not that it's going to be a headache, <laughs> but but it's like man, it's like overwhelming. It's going to be overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. So so folks, it's going to be a great conference coming up on July twenty third and twenty fourth. And uh, Rachel, I'm sure is going to order some good hot weather for that day, and we'll be <laughs> we'll be ready for it. But uh, yeah, it'll be it's an all-day event on Saturday. I think it starts off at 9 a.m. And then on Sunday, it's like I think it ends at noon to give you a chance to get home and whatnot. you can, you can tent camp there, you can spend the night. Um, there's bed and breakfast in the area. So a uh, great event uh, put on by Red Road Herbs uh, coming up on July 23rd and 24th, the second annual prairie herbalist conference. Okay, I think I think that was all the events we had to talk about, right?
1: Yes, thank you for mentioning
0: them all. You bet, my pleasure. Be a busy and, summer, yeah, busy summer as always, and it's just uh, a great information and a great chance for folks to get uh, informed and inspired. So, so keep that in mind, people. Okay, and then Barbara's going to be back on the show in July, I believe, July twentieth, and we're going to be talking about more plants. Go figure. And uh, <laughs> and Barbara, we're going to be focusing on what we're calling, you're calling, life supports, right? Yes
1: for nerves, liver, and mental functions. Awesome. St. John's Wort, Wild Lettuce, Thistles,
0: and milkweed. Nice, nice. Next month. I have to admit, wild lettuce is one that I have not. Um, I'm looking forward to learning more about it and uh, educating myself and our listeners about, okay, what? just what does it look like, right? So uh, I'll have to be educating myself while, literally while listening to you on the 20th of July. When we're mm-hmm. talking about it and we can talk about its description, where you're going to see it, right? Because can it be confused for another plant or is it pretty easy to identify?
1: Yeah, it's easy to confuse with a lot of other wild plants. Um, the leaves look a bit like dandelion, but we're going to talk about those
0: next. Right, time. right, right. Yeah, let's not get into that, Bob. <laughs> don't get off on, Don't get off on a tangent. I'll be sucked into that rabbit hole, no doubt. And uh, well, again, Barbara, I appreciate your time, and I think we should just dive right into the this plant story, life medicine, because uh, you got a great list put together for today's show. And I don't know, Barbara, I I forgot to ask you when we were communicating, um, well, this morning, um, if 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 there's a certain uh, plant you want to talk about first. So I'm going to leave that up to you because we're covering so many. I'm looking forward to to learning more about each one of them. But is there one in particular you want to start with?
1: Well, I thought we'd start with basils and mints and kind of go through them quickly because they're so familiar to so many people. Yeah. And then um, with comfrey and calendula and prairie sage, focus more on the healing plants and ones that we use for first aid.
0: Okay. Sounds great. Well, let's talk about basil. And as some people say basil. I, I still, I, you know, because I'm sorry, man, I'm going to say basil. I'm, you know, it's, it's the way I pronounce it. But when you say basil, are you talking about the culinary basil, like sweet basil, um, probably all of them, right? And then there's kind of a different animal in the holy basil or the Tulsi tea, right? Yes. And you had
1: referenced that in one of our emails. I don't, I'm not familiar with the holy basil, though. I know okay. it has tremendous medicinal qualities so the ones I'd like to talk about as a culinary basil my favorite is Genovese basil because I have family members who are Genovese.
0: <laughs> oh, no kidding, that's cool. I, I, well I have to admit it's my go-to uh, as well and when I'm ordering sweet basil seed it's all Genovese, is that how they pronounce it?
1: Uh, we say Genovese Genovese, Genovese. it might have been okay. differently pronounced in Italy but my Shout out to my Auntie Louise, who's 93. Wow. And and whenever I make pesto or I'm out in the garden with the basil, I think of her.
0: That's cool. That is really cool. And uh, so it's an easy plant to grow, one you should have on your wish list, and but we don't want to leave the other ones out. Like, I love the purple opal basil, um, awesome plant for salads. Uh, we love chopping that up in salads. I pretty much go-to out in the garden when I'm cooking is garlic chives, parsley, and uh, basil, and you know whatever else i can chop up to put on whatever i'm cooking pretty much nightly people ask me what do you miss most about the summer it's that opportunity to go out there yes. and get those fresh herbs yes and
1: make enough pesto to freeze for throughout the year no doubt and make it taste like summer in
0: january oh yes no doubt and and great way to do it and you should be pinching off those flowers right as the flowers are forming to kind of get it to branch um yeah
1: usually that central flower i'll pinch off even as it begins to bud, some I'll leave to pollinate, I mean, to for to feed the pollinators oh, uh-huh. and attract them. But yeah, the more you pinch basil, the bushier it gets, so you don't have to worry about overdoing it. It will just keep producing leaves, which you want.
0: Right, right, exactly, and and I can warn people if you if you don't get that done, it's gonna put all of its energy into its flowers and ultimately seed production. So you're gonna get less foliage and less pesto. So you do want to pinch those off uh, to get bushy plants, and then you kind of do you can kind of do two two pesto harvests, right? An earlier early summer, maybe harvest right where you're pinching a lot of the plants back, and then you're waiting letting them recover and then and I'm talking about the massive harvest people where you know of course nightly pinching I'm going to do when I'm chopping up my fresh herbs but for for storage quality making lots of pesto man there's there's nothing more fun than a big pile of basil
1: (laughs) yeah usually earlier in the season I'm just using it just to use in dishes and you know cook as I go Mm -hmm. and then the second harvest like you said is when I make the big pesto batches
0: cool cool and so do does basil have medicinal qualities
1: Yes, it does. Um, you know, it's, a, it's always been known as a digestive aid and sort of anti-inflammatory. But it's got a lot of antioxidants which, and oils that many of them disappear in the drying process. So you want to use it fresh whenever possible or preserve it in oil after you've let it sort of dry out for a day or so. But it's still fresh. Mm-hmm. And they use it for things that vary from cancer to heart disease, arthritis, diabetes. It's good for lowering blood pressure. It's got so many antioxidants in it that it you know, it helps with, they have done tests that it helps with liver cancer, lung cancer, oral cancer and conditions of the mouth, skin cancer. It's loaded with magnesium. Um, and, and also, it, you know, a lot of these summer plants seem to, and we'll talk about that more with calendula, but they say that they help with mental health, anxiety and depression. So, you know, those are surprising qualities of something that we commonly just think of as a food plant. Right. very popular in Italy and in Thai food. But, and, you know, we also use it very much here. But it's it's got a lot of medicinal qualities that you might want to Google basal medicinal uses and find out a lot more.
0: I agree, and I've done that before, and I was really surprised, because like you said, I think when people talk about medicinal herbs, they're thinking, well, what is that, first of all, and and you don't think of really any of the culinary herbs, but... They have a long history. You pretty much name the culinary herb. It has a long history of medicinal uses. And basil surprised me just how, like you said, loaded with antioxidants it is. So kind of the moral of the story, people, is diversity is key in life, right, with everything. So a diverse diet means a a, a healthy dose of herbs added to that diet. And if you're chopping up basil every night, you know, for your cooking, my oh my, in season, in season just know you're you're benefiting your body as well as your palate, right? <laughs> so
1: Yes, and also um, one of the early things I learned, the Italians, the Romans, used to always include it in little love bouquets.
0: <laughs> really?
1: Yes, and just the smell of it, I'm sure, would make a girl smile.
0: Yeah, you know, and I will warn you, it doesn't have a very long... Uh, 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 life in the, in a vase, right? It kind of wilts down Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, so just know it's, it's for that day, that day arrangement, (laughs) if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, uh, have the pleasure of giving a presentation on herbs tomorrow to the, um, Ollie, uh, folks here at UNL. So I'm looking forward to that. We have like 40 people registered. So I'm definitely going to be talking about the culinary herbs and then switch it over to the medicinal aspects of those herbs just to kind of, I want people to kind of say, wow, I didn't know that, that I should look in, more into this. And just like when, when I have Barbara on the show every time, folks, uh, with Plant Stories, Life Medicines, uh, we highly encourage you to dig deeper because what we're doing is just scratching the surface. Right, Barbara?
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, Google is, a, is our friend. And you can Google plant's name, medicinal uses, a plant's name, culinary uses, a plant's name, traditional uses, and you, a plant's name images and educate yourself in lots of
0: different ways no doubt you'll be glad you did with with our friend basil okay what about our friend mints um now mints now uh, the way i understood it when i i used to work at the state fairgrounds so i had a mint collection in our herb garden i think we were up to 20 varieties 21 and as you can imagine keeping those boys separate was a little bit of a challenge. But I I had each one in containers, uh, you know, to kind of keep them confined within that bed. But they would jump the hoop and, you know, every year I'd kind of have to make make sure everybody kind of got along, if you will it will
1: take over a garden, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, plant them in between a rock and a hard place, people. And what that means is, uh, so maybe that one edge of your confinement is the turf grass you're mowing. Maybe that one edge is a big, beefy plant that the mint's going to have no chance to to take over that can kind of weave in amongst it, or in between your foundation and a sidewalk. Whatever you can do to keep it confined without having to fuss over it, is a good thing and you should have at least a half dozen different mints on hand because there's so many to choose from right barbara
1: oh gosh yeah i had chocolate mint one year and mm. that was pretty that was pretty different and distinctive uh curly mint apple mint um peppermint spearmint they're, they're yeah like they're, you said they're just a amazing wide variety.
0: I I picked up one uh, last year called Spanish mint, and and I think it's a Spicata species, but Spanish mint, uh, as it said in the description, great for mojitos, and so that kind of uh, spurred me on to say, you know, I better get this one. It's a really attractive-looking large-leaf mint, and then another one we have at home is called Kentucky kernel, and that one is an ode to the mint julep. Uh, during derby day so hence the name Kentucky Colonel and I I don't know if whoever discovered this one or bred it or whatever had the mint julep in mind but folks if you've had mint juleps before make them homemade they're so much better and uh, pat your mint juleps were the bomb <laughs> so anyway uh, but that's for a story for another day. But, but Barbara, one thing I've understood with mints, uh, if you're going after culinary, there's what we call spicata species po- folks or like the water mints. I think it's the water mint family. And then you have the peppermint family, which is mentha pepperita. And the peppermints have more menthol in them uh, versus the spearmint types. So the spearmint types you're using for culinary, the peppermints you're more using for medicine. Am I right in suggesting that, Barbara?
1: That's a distinction that I did not
0: know, but I believe you, Bob. I, You know, and and the reason I say that is because I had one many moons ago called Japanese Mint, and Mm -hmm. I got it from my friend Papagino, who had Papagino's Herb Farm here in Lincoln for many years, and he educated me that Japanese Mint is what they grow uh, commercially for menthol, for the source of menthol that we all know in in products, uh, mainly in cold healing products, right? <laughs> and, right, yeah. and
1: yeah, that, that leads me to the fact that you can use mint externally. The menthol is, you know, like the smell you get in Bengay and other products that use mint for menthol. Mm-hmm. And it, it really soothes aching muscles. It's good to put in a bath, to soak in, to steam with, um, to clear stuffy noses, to clear any digestive aid, bloating. Stomach pain, constipation, or diarrhea. Um, it's got a lot of antiseptic and antibacterial properties. But that menthol is—you know—if you know which mints have more menthol, you can use them accordingly, as you're
0: saying. That's cool. And and I'll say that the chocolate mint you mentioned is is a pep- in the peppermint family. It's mentha piperita chocolate. And folks, if you have it, you know it, and you love it. And uh, we love making um, uh, mint teas. Uh, cold brew teas this time of year. In fact, we uh, were enjoying some last night and we didn't cold brew it because, you know, we had people over and, you know, we needed a quick, (laughs) a quick uh, tea, if you will. So we did heat it up on the stove, but cold brew, um, if you do that, you're basically just grabbing a bunch of leaves, stems, sticking them in a pitcher of water, and then putting that pitcher of water in the refrigerator. You can leave it out overnight if you want, but put it in the fridge, and it'll do its thing, and be the next day when you come home from work or wherever, and it's hot, and it's muggy out, and you want to cool down, boy, mint water, it's the best thing to pull out of the refrigerator after a long, busy day. Oh, it's a
1: wonderful summer drink, and, you know, mix it with lemonade or other herbs, uh, lemon balm, it's just so soothing and cooling
0: in the summertime. No doubt. And you can experiment. It also
1: has sal- salicylic acid, which is the same ingredient that's in willow, which is the same ingredient they made aspirin out of.
0: Really? So it,
1: you know, it has mild pain relieving properties. Mm. They, they use it on the skin for um, antifungal, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, treating acne, uh, good for wounds and burns. Mm as a wash a sunburn it will cool you down if you use it externally as a wash
0: and so how would you do that externally as a wash as i'm listening i'm going okay what do you mean
1: well you make your tea the way you would and then um you can put some aside in a bowl and soak a face cloth in it or you know if it's a small area cotton balls or pads but you soak the cloth in it and just wash it over the skin that's irritated um whether it's acne or sunburn or eczema or any kind of other skin condition, dermatitis, that is itchy and burning.
0: Okay. And if I was to make a t- um, an infusion, um, an alcohol-based infusion, what would I use that for?
1: You mean a, like a tincture? Yeah, or you know? I'm sorry,
0: a tincture, a tincture. yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, that, again, is really good digestive aid, mm-hmm. really good for stomach aches, for helping with diarrhea or constipation. Um it's also very soothing. It's used as a calmative and um, I lost my train of thought. Allergies. Oh. Allergies. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Yes. Treating nausea. It's good it's been used traditionally with min mites for morning sickness. Um it has some good effect and it can be used as a tincture if you don't have the tea readily available
0: yeah cool and and I must say we made a tincture out of a mint we have at home called um Swiss Mint and uh, shout out to McLean for scoring me that Swiss mint way many moons ago. It's certainly an aggressive one, <laughs> but man, is it nice? And I had not heard of that one anyway. we made a a tincture out of that, a vodka based tincture and what's great about making tinctures, Barbara, is you may not need it now but it can become a go-to when something does show up, right? Some of the things you yes. were talking about.
1: Yes. And, you know, that just helping with stress throughout the year, it doesn't just happen in summer, you know? So as a rejuvenator and a calm, calmative for helping with depression, uh, m- midwinter blues, it's also really used a lot, like I said, in midwifery, uh, it's commonly used for breastfeeding mothers and it helps to produce milk and also as an oil or salve used on cracked nipples used on you know for other than breastfeeding mothers used on any other sores wounds you know we don't we just don't think of all the many ways a plant can be used until we discover that it's used as good for the outside as the inside of us
0: no doubt and and as you're talking like a, a... So if I have a tincture, an alcohol-based tincture, and I want to apply it as a kind of a, well, for back of a word I'm searching for, like a salve, could I take that? Because my friend Sharon does this. I think she'll take like an eyedropper full of a tincture and squeeze it in her hand that already has some oil in it and kind mm-hmm. of add that to the oil to kind of make more of a, a lotion or what would I call that?
1: Uh, a lotion is a fine word for okay, that. Good. You know, and from the tincture bottle, you can apply it directly because it's antibacterial and antiseptic. You can apply it directly to bug bites or stings okay. or wounds. If if you know if it's something you want to cover more area with, her idea of putting some drops into oil in the palm of your hand is also a good idea.
0: Okay, especially I, if
1: you want that moisturizing quality of the oil.
0: Gotcha, and it keeps it on there. It doesn't run off right away and evaporate right away, and it kind of. Stays in place, right? Uh, soaks in a little. Soaks better. in a little. Gotcha. gotcha. Tones the
1: skin, softens dry, itchy
0: skin. Cool. And of course, that that oil base could be olive oil, right? It could be coconut oil. It could be, mm-hmm. what, you know, all those good things for our skin. Cool, cool. Okay, I, yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of mint, and I think whoever has mint, you have too much of it. And I think what I, I'll see patches of mint, and then. You ask somebody, "Well, do you use it?" And they're like, "Well, every once in a while, right?" And so, <laughs> right. so yeah, we, we we all have to do a better job of using it, and um, you know, making make tinctures out of it, uh, makes make a salve, right? You could you could add it to other ingredients and make us your own homemade salve. Oh
1: yes, and like I said, it's used in a lot of like Bengay lotions and things like that. And and the other thing about having an excess of it, it's as I said with basil, you pinch it back, cut it back. And it will come back even bushier with even more flowers for the pollinators. So, you know, it's always a balance of letting some grow so that there are early flowers for the bees yes. and other insects. And then, you know, cutting it back and you get a later production of flowers for the same.
0: I like reason. that. I like that plan. Yeah. Then you're extending its bloom. If you have a big patch, you know, cut some, like you said, and it'll the ones you don't cut are going to bloom earlier than the ones you did because they have to recover from you cutting them and then you get more flowers and, and they're
1: all root runners, spreaders, you know. So mm-hmm. they will spread underground anywhere. So, you know, if you want to contain them, contain them in a container.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. And the flowers, the bees just clamor over, folks. And so the bees are trying to tell us humans something. You know, we're after the medicine as much as the nectar. So I, I I'm just convinced of that. Is one of the reasons they clamor over all those herbs that we talk about on the show here. All right, Barbara. I'm gonna take a break here i gotta do some station business here it'll be a couple minute break i'll keep you on the line and when we come back let's talk about prairie sage okay well all right awesome awesome folks you are listening to how's it growing here on kzum lincoln barbara salvatore my guest today plant stories and life medicines we'll be right back right after these brief messages all right, little Bob Brosman to bring you to the next part of How's It Growing Only here on KZUM Lincoln. Thanks for joining me today and Barbara Salvatore. Thank you, Barbara, for more plant stories and life medicines on the show here today. I appreciate your time, Barbara and all the great information, folks. We've talked about basil and mints. And by the way, the shows are archived for the next couple of weeks at kzum.org. And you can find past episodes as well. And Barbara, you have put together all of the past Plant Stories Life Medicine shows we have had before, correct?
1: Yes, people can go to bighorsewoman.com slash events. And uh, most of them have been posted. We're a little behind, but it's a good way to... Pick out which plants you want to learn about and listen to those shows, and I just have to say it's a pleasure to do this, Bob. I look forward to it every time. Good,
0: good. I'm, I, my, me too. And uh, it's just uh, fun to, I'm, mean, for me, it's like to have a spot on the radio. For, so thank you, KZUM, for for doing this. You know, it's it's yes. hard to really tune in anywhere where they're actually talking about plants as medicine, because I think everybody's a little afraid of it. And uh, so we're out to educate you. You've been eating basil your whole life, maybe, and and not realizing that, well, shoot, man, I'm getting my medicine too. You darn right you are, as well as the mint you've been using. My go-to, Barbara, for cold and flu season, because my mom uh, used it, and I'm sure grandma used it, is Vicks VapoRub. And Vicks VapoRub has I think three ingredients in it. I think it's uh, eucalyptus and uh, uh, menthol. Oh, poo! Now I can think of the third one. Now it's not. It, it was on the tip of my tongue earlier, but I'll I'll think of it anyway. Mm-hmm. That it, and it always works. So if you're a fan of Vicks VapoRub, Rub. It's the plants, people. That's why it has had yeah, that, that little
1: pretty blue bottle. Right. <laughs> yep.
0: and, that, and that funky smell that everybody, either you love it or you hate it. And uh,
1: under your nose. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I love it. And uh, anyway, so Barbara, let's move on and uh, talk about our next plant. And that is the prairie sage. And folks, it has a number of names for it. The prairie sage, I've learned it as pitcher sage was the the way I learned it. I think it's also called blue sage, which it can be kind of deceiving. Um, But anyway, um, this is a native plant, a wildflower that a lot of people are including, thankfully, in their prairie style gardens for its beautiful sky blue flower in in summer, like late summer. And so the timing uh, is before the aster and the goldenrod show. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to some color in late summer. Blue sage or prairie sage is your plant. And um, Barbara can, in the garden, it can get a little lanky and tall. And I've, I've seen it at six feet. This is a plant you can pinch back and keep shorter uh, very easily. And this is a great time of year to do it. So if you have it at home and it's already up to three feet high, cut it back by 50% and that plant will bush get bushier for you and not so tall and leggy and you'll have more flowers, more pollinators. But, Barbara, I was unfamiliar with prairie sage or pitcher sage being a medicinal plant. Is it?
1: Well, yeah. I I was going to say that I was introduced to it here in Nebraska. I wasn't familiar with it otherwise. And then, like you said, it's late summer, early fall, even up to Halloween you Mm. can sometimes find it. But it would line the roadsides, especially along the roads in Creighton. And, you know, just made me stop. Who's this? And yeah, every who time are you? I've been visited in the roadside. You have to fight off the bumblebees. The insects are very mm-hmm. aggressive around it. And anyway, so the first thing I did was cut some to put in a blue pitcher at home. And I was like, what a beautiful pitcher plant. <laughs> All right, there we <laughs> go. <later. So laughs> I was like, maybe there's been lots of other people who've done this in the past. But then later, looking into um, the qualities of it medicinally, I've used, I've made tea and it's um, you know a little bit bitter but also mild, and it makes a lovely smell as it's steaming and simmering. But as a, a you know, salvia, the name for sage, means healer, Azuria meaning sky blue, but any of the sages are healers, and it, it's this one is also uh, in the mint family as well. Um, you can use it for toothache, gum disease, another one for anti-anxiety and depression. It helps with hot flashes, upset stomachs. I haven't used it with my migraines, but it says it's good for migraines. So maybe that's another experiment I'll do. Yeah. Ingested hot, it can prevent sweating. Ingested cold, it can stop sweating. So, you know, it, it has that effect on cooling the body, depending on how you... Um, imbibe it. Mm. It's very good for upset stomachs, toothache relief. Another wound and burn remedy that as I described before, when you have a sunburn or a large patch of area that's burned or grazed or rug burned, you can do that wash by making the tea and just lying a cloth or dribbling the water over it.
0: So... So so, Barbara, when you're saying making a tea, and I was saying earlier, people, you can pinch your plants back or cut them back hard, so don't discard the what you cut back. Use it, is what you're oh, saying.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can hang it to dry and have it for use year-round, and especially for first aid. It's good for sore throats, for rashes, for sore gums, good for stomach inflammation. They've used it successfully with ulcers as a stomach tonic to hmm. dry conditions like diarrhea and vomiting so yeah if you're cutting something back and you have the time and wherewithal it's always a good idea to dry it dry it and use some for
0: non-seasonal use son of a gun and i know it's a prolific producer of seeds can those seeds be used for anything well
1: people's um you know gardeners and botanists suggest that if you want to have it in your garden not to dig it up in the wild But to save the seeds and try to propagate them that way. But again, with most medicines, the medicine is concentrated in the seed. Mm. So I'm sure it might be a good idea to tincture the seed if you had a proliferation of it.
0: Mm -hmm. You could
1: make a powerful tincture that way. But, of course, we usually want seeds to reproduce.
0: Right, right, exactly. Unless you have a, I was thinking more like, okay, you got a big patch, you don't need any more, and you're trying to prevent it from seeding around. Well, you can cut it back, too, after it flowers to prevent that additional seeds, and then, you know, again, use those as well, I think is what I was thinking. Or
1: two on them for sorghums or two bakes.
0: Cool. Yep. that's yep. what is kind of intriguing me for gum disease and whatnot. So, would you would you make a homemade uh, mouthwash out of something like blue sage or the green uh, yeah, sage? Yeah, you could
1: definitely gargle it and rinse your gums with it. Soak your gums in it. Uh, gargle for the back of the throat for sore throat.
0: Yes, you could do that. Cool. Cool. Okay, well, that, I had no idea that uh, our, our our lovely pitcher sage or, or prairie sage uh, had all those uses. But I remember it doesn't have the powerful scent as, say, a garden sage does, right? <coughs> yeah, but I it's know, a
1: little bit <coughs> underwhelming as far as the scent goes.
0: Yeah, but then I remember, like, rubbing it and going, because <laughs> people, you can use your nose to identify a lot of plants, you know. So, so when you're tr- yeah, trying to learn a new plant smell it i highly recommend that um because that will help you when somebody asks you what is this and and you're like well i'm not sure but then the smell will give it away a lot of times going oh okay i know what this is now it really works for plant id to kind of help educate yourself and what am i looking at and and i remember rubbing and smelling the pitcher sage and i'm like going huh I didn't know you even had a scent. Well, go figure. And of no, course... you
1: got to really rub it. Yeah. And, and I that, co- that's like when I was excited about teaching the youth. You know, I always stress, use your five senses, close your eyes. What does it feel like? What does it smell like?
0: Yes. What does
1: it taste like? You know, cool, cool. all five senses contribute to being in relationship
0: with the plant. Awesome. That's great. All right. Well, Prairie Sage, we're going to leave you on and uh, uh, you've got a great story to tell, but we encourage all of you to look up more into it. Salvia azurea azuria, or azurea, however you want to pronounce it. Um, there's Salvia azurea, variety grandiflora. Um, and then I think there's one that's called variety pitcheri or something. And I think that's the one we have here in, in our state. But anyway... Uh, They're all good stuff. Uh, Beautiful plants, great pollinator plants, great prairie plants, but also great medicine. All right, Barbara, let's move on to uh, our next one. And we got like uh, 12. Calendula? Yeah, calendula. Let's move on to that.
1: Um, I want to start out calendula by reading that poem I wrote that includes calendula, and it will hint to one of the many uses. Is that a good idea?
0: That sounds perfect.
1: Okay. The heat. The heat was sick. The clouds were thick. Her eyes were thick asleep. Her head so heavy with fatigue that roses filled her nose. Chicory brushed her lashes in her ears blooming daylily trumpets. Twisting vines tied her down and her hair grew thick with moss before she woke from her deep sleep and combed her tangles free. Maggie woke groggy returned to the cool earth house came out with a jug of yarrow and rosemary vinegar plucked two hands full of calendula and rose petals and soaked them in it then she went to the creek added fresh water to the jug and shook it up as the flower vinegar steeped she dipped her sweltering head in the stream immersed Maggie felt the cool rushing water renew her she sat up and poured the vinegar herb rinse over her hair. She felt her scalp tingling. She combed it out to shining. When she was done, her hair smelled like flowers and felt like petals, Uh just like in her dream.
0: That's great, (laughs) that's great. And so when you say Maggie was out uh, collecting the calendula, what part of the plant was she collecting?
1: Um, One of the ways that you know calendula is by its sticky resinous quality. Mm. And the petals um, are often set aside and dried and used in medicine. But actually, it's that green, sticky bract that all the petals are attached to, that basal part of the plant that has a lot of the medicinal qualities. So when you're making oils and salves and teas, you might want to use that too. And in order to do that you want to dry it very well so that you don't get molds in your oils
0: and salves. So so as I have a beautiful calendula flower, I have to sacrifice that beautiful flower, right? And not enjoy it out in the garden. But are you saying then I should take not just necessarily remove the petals from that oh that, that, that calyx or that, that base of the flower, you're saying I should dry it whole?
1: If you're going to use it for medicinal ointments and salves, yes. Um, The other thing that I do is I often go around and will pick like half the petals off a flower Mm. so that it still attracts pollinators and also so that it will go to seed. You know, if you go around picking the petals off, the flower will still make its every effort to produce seed. Uh So for that reason, you want to keep the green bracts intact. But if you're making really, you know, what you want to be very healing ointments and oils, you want to include that green bract and let it dry out on a tray and you know maybe break them in half after a few days make sure the inner parts are drying out as well
0: cool cool and calendula folks is an annual uh, I think it's also called pot marigold and uh, I think yes. okay because people traditionally grew it in pots I'm assuming is where that name comes from I'm not positive on that one but anyway it's not a hard plant to grow they can be a little leggy and tall so it's another one that's That's perfect for pinching back. And so for me, Barbara, but we know we planted a lot of them. I think I have like 20 of them out there this year. And so I've been pinching it back so it bushes out. Didn't even let it flower and now it's starting to flower. uh, but it's still elongating up to around 15, 18 inches and getting a little floppy on me. So what my thoughts are is as producing a flower, I'm gonna go ahead and harvest it with the bract intact, because I want to pinch it back anyway. And I know more flowers are going to come, so later in the season I can, you know, I can harvest like up to late summer, whatever, right? And then kind of yes. leave leave those last flowers uh, through the fall, so they do produce seed. So I have either heck, I've I've had people say it's seeds around in their garden for them, you know, like where they didn't yes. even collect the seed. So
1: yep, they will still seed, and the the seeds look like little wormy larvae which is a clue to one of the medicinal qualities of calendula. It's Mm. used as an antiparasitic. And some people have had success in using it with Lyme disease. Mm. Um, One of my favorite uses of it, I learned early on with children, is to make with just the yellow petals, not the green brack this time, but just those yellow petals. You simmer them just for a minute or two, and that water, when you strain it off, is an excellent eye wash And I've used it with great success for decades. Anytime anybody gets irritation in the eyes or the first signs of pink eye, I would put uh, drops of that eye wash. You only need two or three drops per eye. And it stings at first, but you keep your eye closed. And if you apply those calendula eye drops two or three times a day, usually it will even... You know, any signs of conjunctivitis won't produce, and a child can go back to school. And you don't have to suffer through it. Um, it's been helpful with any sort of cuts on the retina or irritation or dust
0: or hmm.
1: sand getting in the eye. It's wow. a wonderful eye wash and also really good for earaches for okay. the same reason.
0: Okay. Okay, that well, yeah. that, that's definitely new to me. And one, uh, talk about, I, I know a friend swears by it for sunburn relief. Is that another? Um, and then yes. it, it's a cooling herb, right?
1: Yes, yes. And again, you can use it just as a tea infusion and wash or, you know, especially with children and babies, it's, there are so many ointments and lotions out there with calendula, often. Paired with plantain and comfrey, okay. Rachel at Red Road Herbs makes a wonderful combination, a salve that way, and you know for uh, diaper rash and skin eczema, any of those, um, you know, burn sunburn on the cheeks or babies with very sensitive skin, calendula is one of
0: my favorites. Boom i love it yeah that sounds like a great uh mixture to have comfrey calendula and uh plantain okay people and uh, all three either easy to grow or easy for certainly the plantain is one of those uh plants that it's everywhere a white man's footsteps you'll find it wherever we've we, yeah. been walking all right and and uh last but not least and uh you know comfrey we could have given the whole time for the whole show and, uh, well, but we don't want to leave comfrey out. So, comfrey, we're going to give you your five-minute due. And, uh, <laughs> and everybody should have. And, and so, Barbara, what, what people want for the medicine is called Russian comfrey, correct?
1: Um, a, a lot of the pictures I looked at last night when I was looking for good images did say Russian comfrey. I know that there are varieties. And the ones that I always get are from other people's gardens without labels attached.
0: Right, right.
1: Yes. If that's what you find, that's a good choice. Um, and I know the flower varies from blue to deep purple. Mm-hmm. Again, another very attractive plant, to especially bumblebees. And um, it's one of my favorites. It's also called knit bone because as well as surface wounds and external um, healing, it's very good for broken bones and deep healing. So the, the one caution that you always have to have is not to put it on open wound in heal so fast that a wound can heal over with an infection under. So you want to kind of put it around the edges of a wound at the beginning and, you know, always keep space to air out so that pus and stuff can come out without the comfrey healing it over
0: cool cool and having that salve uh so like maybe you're recovering from knee surgery for example right or maybe you're you know you're you're sore and achy um uh, sore and achy joints right so it can be yes. used for that as well correct
1: yes yes it can and uh you know as a tea there are so many warnings about ingesting comfrey and you know you have to educate yourself about that but as i've never felt any harm from it, mm. and it, it will soothe the intestinal tract in the same way that it will heal and soothe any external condition. So it's very good, you know, if you have uh, irritable bowel syndrome or any stomach ulcerations, you know, it's really good for cooling and healing mucologinous qualities from the inside out as well. Yeah, I know.
0: I'm glad you said that because I know I've heard, well, it's like uh, ingesting it is, you know, from what I've heard from somebody, is a no-no. And uh, like you said, you got to educate yourself on that, correct?
1: Yeah, they warn about people with history of liver disease, uh, small children, elders, pregnant or breastfeeding mothers to have caution and
0: educate yourself before using And if you're if you're concerned, just use it topically. And uh, you know, because it's it's something. It should be in every garden as part of your herbal medicine chest. Uh, No doubt about it. It'll become your go-to. I've seen it in action. um, Broken toe. And I
1: call it Comfrey the Comforter.
0: Comfrey the Comforter. It's
1: about it. I like that.
0: That's a good name, old Comfrey the Comforter. Gosh, maybe somebody's going to name their firstborn Comfrey, and uh, that would be kind of a cool name, wouldn't it? No, anyway. Yeah, no, but, but I don't know. right. But uh, anyway, um, it's an easy plant to grow. And uh, that's why I usually get it from a friend of a friend, because honestly, we have never offered it for sale. I've never ordered the plant or seeds to try to grow it. And um, I've never collected seed from my plants because I'm not sure. I think I'm usually cutting it back before it has a chance to produce seed. But
1: I have my current plant from a friend in New York who mailed me some roots <laughs> and that's how I always get a plant someone digs up some roots for me and they tend to take really well even yeah. after being in the post office box for a few days.
0: Yeah and I've and I've seen areas where you know the plant has kind of taken over for some folks and they're like they'd gladly share some with you and my plant has been kind of confined at home it doesn't really have anywhere to go so um, I'm not looking to share it anytime soon, but you you can definitely find a friend that has plenty of comfrey and they will share it with you and you'll be glad you did. Spranged ankles, uh, swollen spranged ankles, making a, yes. a, a poultice yes. out of that and, and wrapping yes. it. Oh my word, that that plant works.
1: Yes, people are amazed that on foot they couldn't walk on, then they do a comfrey poultice and they're like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> that was instant. And, um, you know, you can dry if you have an excess of the leaves, dry them and put them away. If you don't have time to make the oil or salve right away, you can make it later on in the slower months. Um, Boom! It will be just as effective or use it as a poultice, you know, just by steaming it, boiling it, simmering it over the stove and then using it as a poultice. If something happens, an injury happens out of season again, it's always nice to have.
0: Dry on hand. I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it the plant grows fast in the spring and then you know it's been done flowering and it's like four feet high and then you get a thunderstorm that rolls through and it's all floppy and you're like going, well shoot well then go ahead and cut it back I mean you can cut this thing back to the ground I'll, I'll cut its stalks and all and cinch it up with a rubber band and hang it in the garage and said okay I don't have time for you now. But I'm going to get to you mm-hmm. later, and then the plant will come right back up, and uh, so you can get two big harvests off of this plant. Uh, I mean, and one plant. Yeah, and
1: the most the most powerful medicine is in the root. So uh-huh. usually I will sacrifice some root, but you can also cut a root in half, and you know take the tip of it and put the plant back in the ground. It will continue to grow. They're very resilient. Cool. So it's always good to have some, and the root is what you want to use if you're tincturing.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I know um, I'm always a little gun shy about digging roots because you know I don't want to kill the plant. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think we could just experiment, right, Barbara, and take part of it and say, and then plant it and say, okay, that produced a new plant for me. Okay, Uh, it's it's very forgiving. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Barbara, I wish we had time to read. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm out of time, basically, and I don't want to, um, you know.
1: Well, the story I was going to read was Maggie, who was run over by her wagon and broke her hip, and she uses the knit bone roots is what she calls them, in a variety of manners, whether as a tea, as a simmer, um, and as a bath to soak in, in a warm poultice, a hot wrap, a and um, Anyway, it helps with her in- circulation and swelling, keeps her toes from tingling. <laughs> it, it, people will have to read the story.
0: It's, a, it's an amazing plan. And can people, uh, where are you at with Big Horse Woman series right now?
1: Um, I got the last edit from the editor on Monday, but there are changes that need to be made. So we're getting there, Bob. We're
0: getting there. Okay, well. Maggie's
1: done, and Big Horse Woman is getting
0: there. We're getting there. Hey, I, I'm sure that's like, you think plants teach your patients? People try writing a book, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> that will teach you some serious patients.
1: Well, this has been another fun hour. Thank you so
0: much. It sure has, Barbara. Lots of great information and uh, hopefully a lot of enough information for you folks out there to say, I'm going to dive in deeper into these plant stories because it is life medicine. And thank you so much for your time, Barbara. We will be back together in July. And uh, look forward to seeing you at the Prairie Herbalist Conference at, on July 23rd and July 24th. You keep yes. up the great work.
1: Yes, and people don't get overwhelmed. Make friends
0: with one plant at a time. Yeah, I like bye,
1: it. Bye, Bob.
0: All right. Bye-bye, Barbara. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yep, Take, bye. Bye. All right. That's Barbara Salvatore bighorsewoman.com, check it out and uh, and look into the Prairie Herbalist Conference coming up in July at Red Road Herbs. I'll see you next week, same time, same place for another How's It Growing with you. See ya. have a great week.